Welcome to A Church in the City, a podcast sharing messages, sermons, and talks from downtown Christian Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We exist to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. On this episode, we're sharing a teaching titled The Beginning and the End from Jamie Grinwis, originally recorded May 16th, 2021. This is part five of a six-part series titled The Kingship of Christ, exploring how scripture reveals to us over and over who Jesus is and why he is worthy to be called the King of Kings. I feel like God might have me share a couple things that some of you might not like. So, it, including myself, I don't like sharing some of these things. So, just so you know, at DCC, we do rotate our teaching schedule. So, if you just want to know when I'm sharing again next, so that way you can skip that week, we can get that for you. It's perfectly fine. That's one of the beauties of here is that we do switch things up and kind of do a rotation. Um, honestly, <laughs> The, the, way that I f- the way that I feel like I need to start, and hopefully this just doesn't come in heavy, but my son said that I need to stop apologizing for the things that, that we share. Um, <laughs> um, so the first thing that I felt like um, I wanted to share is that I, I wanted to, um, as a church leader, if that bothers you that I'm a female, we can have different conversations afterward. I'm totally just see Chris. Um, <laughs> As a church, as a church leader, I, I want to ask uh, on behalf of the church worldwide for forgiveness. I believe that for years the church has been selling uh, the gospel short, and um, I've been convicted with it over the last six weeks that I've accepted a gospel that's shy of what was intended by the Father, and maybe even participated in reselling that same gospel, making it a gospel about what um, Kevin likes to describe as the wake of God, meaning the things that come behind him, his goodness, his plenty, his provision, his wholeness. Sometimes we sell that as that's the only thing we're after for our own lives is just for God to do stuff for me, for God to make my wallet fatter and my kids smart and you know all of these things that we have attributed to becoming a believer. Become a Christian and God's gonna make you wealthy. He's gonna bring you a foxy wife or a spouse or whatever. He's gonna give you a nice house. And we laugh, but this, this, has, this is taught. It's taught. And it might not be that like deliberate in language, but it's the undercurrent that has been running through the church for a long time. I believe those things to be true, I want you to know. That I don't believe in a gospel that doesn't have goodness, that doesn't, I mean, when, when you look through the examples in scripture, like all of the people around, for example, Israel, they knew that they served God by the, the plenty that they had. Even when they were in captivity, they would flourish, right? So. I believe that those are part of our inheritance and part of the kingdom. But for us to fixate on that, to me, is to, is to walk behind God instead of walking with him, which is what I believe he's called us to do. So that's just kind of where I'm, where I'm coming from this morning. And, and I'm gonna be, um, I'm going to literally be vulnerable 
like for real. Um, I've, said, <laughs> I've said for years that I'm vulnerable, but uh, my husband, who is the bearer of tough things to me sometimes, um, has, has kind of helped me on that journey and, and even pointed out that sometimes when I think I'm being vulnerable, I'm actually just being transparent. And there is a difference, you know? And one of the things that I just wanna share, like what God's just been talking to me about that I am literally not living in yet, but I have the hope of in my heart. And I believe that, that there's an invitation in it for anybody who wants to come with me. Um, so we were sitting outside together, Kevin and I were, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago. It was a nice day out, so one of those freak Michigan spring days, and we were we were sitting. We have like a little pond in our backyard pond. It's a you know city runoff from the street that nobody takes care of and is full of malaria or something. I'm sure, but nonetheless, it looks pretty if you stand far back. And we were we were sitting down there together, and we were just chatting. And and I I don't even know who shared that morning, but it must have had there was some sort of word like kind of moving through the morning about dreams. And, and Kevin just looked at me and kind of said, so what are you dreaming about? And I was surprised at my response and probably um, disappointed in myself in it. Because if anyone knows me, you can ask my parents, since I was this big, I was a dreamer, daydreamer, dreamer. I was always in space, never, <laughs> reality was not part of my life. I'm the person who's always thinking of ridiculous things that have nothing to do with anything. And somewhere in the last few years, um, I've mortgaged that, mortgaged it. And I've, I've kind of walked away from some of the things that God made me to be. Is this a cookie? What's happening here? <laughs> I just was curious about it. I, I didn't... It's So anyway, so my response, my response to Kevin was just sort of like, <laughs> what's the point? Things are good. What's the point? Like, what do you mean? What am I dreaming about? Like, he's like, for you, like, what do you think about? What are you, you know, what are you talking to God about? What are you and God like in conversation about? What are you, what are you thinking about? Like, you're a life changer. You're a, you know, you're, you're all these things. And I'm looking at him like, who are you talking to? And he's like, so what, what is this dialogue? What's going on? And I, I just kind of said, babe, what's, what's the point? Like, things are good. Life is good. You know, we, we're, you know, the church is growing. We as a family are doing well. Um, you know, the kids are healthy. They, they're, they're planning their future. Like, why do I, like, I, why do I need this? What, you know? And I sort of even... Um, kind of as the more I thought about it, because, you know, then the counselor, the, the Holy Spirit just kind of starts taking you from this conversation because Kevin just kind of let me, let me be for a little bit. And the Lord just kind of came in, just started talking to me about this and was like, why? Why did you stop? What, let's, let's talk about it. Let's go back, you know? And, and I just kind of started unpacking and, and even just kind of getting into the fact that, you know, for years people would say things to me like, you know, that I wasn't grounded in reality and that I wasn't focused on things and I was never content. You know, people trying to speak wisdom in my life to say to me, be, you know, you've got to learn how to be content. You've got to learn how to be, you know, stable. You've got to learn all these things, right? Well-meaning people speaking wisdom that I accepted and interpreted through my own, that was not my earrings, that was just my, don't make me take them off. Um, 
that I interpreted through my own human understanding as to how I was gonna walk it out. Instead of receiving what people were speaking to me and taking it before the Lord and saying, how do you want me to walk this out? So the way that I decided to walk it out was I'm just gonna put all those things to bed, say they're not a part of my identity anymore. It's not a part of who I am. I'm gonna be happy where I am and never, th- never like, you know, look for anything else. I'm just good. Life is good. Things are good. And I don't know, maybe you're just kind of saying that's okay. And for me, it was. And so I, I just kind of started thinking about it. And as I was talking to the Lord, he, he brought me to Numbers 32. And I wanna read this to you. So we all kind of know the story, right? The Israelites, they, you know, spend all these years in captivity. God does these miraculous things. They get set, you know, free and handed all the stuff. And now they're heading out to the promised land. And then they find it and they send some people in. And all these people are all like doubting. We can't do it. It's not good enough. So then those people don't go, come on, we all, right? Can I get some nods? Like, okay, we know what happened. So they, got, they have to tool around for a long time till all those people die off. And, you know, at one point, they're about to cross the Jordan. And it, it says, now the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad had a very large number of livestock. So when they saw the land of Jazar, the land of Gilead, it was indeed a place suitable for livestock. The sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben came and spoke to Moses Eliezer the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation saying, and they list all these words that I'm not gonna try to read. The land which the Lord conquered before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock. And your servants, we have livestock. And they said, if we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to us. Don't take us across the Jordan. Moses said to the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, should your brothers go to war? why you stay here and why? Because they knew they, knew they were gonna have to go to war to walk into the promised land. None of this was a surprise. And he said, and why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing to the land which the Lord gave them? This is what your fathers did because they did and they didn't get to inherit it, right? And Moses is pretty much saying like, why? Why, are, why wouldn't you want the best? Why are you saying like, hey, this will suit our needs for now. This is good enough. This is fine. Why, why would you want that? After all we've been through, after all this journey, after all the promise, why would you want that? Why would you want just enough? But instead they just decided to negotiate and they said, we'll give up our inheritance. Just let us stay. We'll arm ourselves here in case the battle comes to us. You know, if something comes my way, then I'll just stand here and I'll be okay. But I'm gonna push my chips of the inheritance in and I'm gonna go ahead and set up camp here. And, you know, as some of us know, Moses let him. And God's just been saying to me, he keeps saying, Jamie, he's like, I'm moving on. Like you've been trying, you've been living in this camp of my livestock are good. They're drinking by the side of the Jordan and they're, this is nice land. And you know, God keeps trying to tell me where I'm moving on. I'm moving on, I'm moving on. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm good. I'm good. Just, just take my inheritance. Just take my future. Take all the things that you promised over me. Most of the words I don't even know, but the things you've spoken over me since I was this big and just take them and give them to someone else. Because this is, this is easy, this is nice, this is plush, this is good. This, I'm taken care of, things are fine because I've sold myself a gospel that's about me 
and what I want. And that's where I stayed. So on this journey that God took me on from the beginning to the end, which is the journey we're all in, from the beginning when, when he, God, God came, God with us, as, as we sang this morning, when God with us came, that to me is the beginning. We entered into that, that tomb was rolled away. I participated in that. And I, I got to the place of realizing that he'll love me no matter what. And then I said, I'm gonna stay here. I don't want the rest of the 4,000 acres that I talked about last week, if you missed that, like just believing and understanding that God has, has opened up the inheritance for his people and said, all of these things are yours. And then I'm gonna camp out on the little corner and beg for fish and for vegetables and for water and all of these things that are in the property that I just have to go and tend and care for and do. So... I'm, I'm just telling you what God's doing in me. That's all I can, that's all I can tell you. Um, all throughout scripture, you know, we read, these, we read these passages about, you know, Jesus, Jesus talking to his disciples and he's walking with his disciples. And let's remember that his disciples never once turned to him and say, hey, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough to pay our credit card bills. We don't have enough to do this or do that. Or I'm really sick of my dead end job. They literally walked this life next to him and participated in the wake of his glory, bringing sons and daughters to Christ. That's what they walked in. That was the life that they lived. And yes, they experienced all the things that went along with it. I mean, taxes were due and a fish came up and paid them. Like, I don't get stuff like that, but it happened and it's in the text. If you have disagreements with it, go to the text and take it up with him. I, I don't know what to say. But Jesus keeps talking to them and he keeps saying to them, guys, your faith is too little. And again, the church has taken those words, right? And we've distorted them. So if you're not healed, your faith is too little. If you're not seeing the things of God, your faith is too little. You gotta, you're not doing enough. You're not this enough. You know, honestly, many scholars believe that that word too little actually means too brief, so it's not that you don't have enough. I believe that quite often as we're walking into the property of our inheritance, we just get tired and say, oh, okay, well, I left the corner and I'm five acres in. I'm just gonna set up camp here because, dude, I'm sick of this. This is goofy, you know? And we just live there. Our, our faith is, is too brief. We're not willing to go the distance. <sighs> dude, I've been watching Rocky. <laughs> I never saw Rocky before. Ever, I know, Doug, I'm sorry, <laughs> ever. So Kevin, has, Kevin and I have been watching Rocky. Yo, Adrian. <laughs> and I, I just like, I, I, the very first one, and I know you guys are gonna laugh at me, but I'm like, I'm watching this guy lay in bed with his girlfriend and he's just like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And he just says, I just wanna go to the distance. And I, not knowing anything about boxing, didn't know what that meant until all of a sudden it goes to like the final scenes, which means he has to go 15 rounds with this guy and he has to stay standing and he's getting beaten and they cut his eyelids open so he can see. And he's like, the only thing I care, I just wanna go the distance. I just wanna go the distance. And I'm just like, dang, most people don't even go the distance in training let alone to show up for the war, for the fight. And God is like saying, go the distance with me. There's so much to inheritance and the inheritance is sons and daughters. 
There are people around you that are broken and hurting and we're trying so hard to stuff our own needs and fill our own comfort that, that we don't even see it. We don't even feel it. We don't even experience it. So anyway, to go back to the little faith, I, I, I kept thinking of the story of the centurion. I don't know if anyone remembers this. It's always been one that just blew me away. I just always loved this dude. Here's this guy who's like, um, I wish my, where'd my husband go? Is that a Roman leader? Centurion. Yeah, so he's like this big Roman leader, right? And it says in Matthew 8, 9, 8, 9 the centurion replied, Lord, because he was coming pleading for his, um, his servant in his house who's sick. And, and he said, Lord, I just don't deserve you to come under my roof because Jesus was gonna go with him. He said, I don't need that. Just say the word, just say the word. And I know he'll be healed. For I myself am man under authority with soldiers under me. And if I tell this one, go, he goes. And if I say to this one, come, he comes. He said, I tell my servants, do this. And they do it. So he understood authority. He understood what was there. And Jesus said, truly, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Because he understood. He understood the authority that Jesus had and knew that if Jesus just said the word, it was done. And I just, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this, that faith is believing. This is what I'm not good at. I'm not good at it. And let me tell you why. It's because I don't believe he wants to do it. I don't. I, I'm just being 100% honest with you. I believe he can. And sometimes every once in a while I tap into, I believe that he will, but I rarely tap into that I believe he will through me. So I live in this place of contentment and in this place of, of lush land. And I'm just gonna stay here because if I step out, maybe he won't show up. And then what? And then I gotta deal with that. And then I've gotta deal with that humiliation, that embarrassment, that, you know, uh, that public display that the father doesn't love me as much as he loves Chris because he used Chris in that way. You know, all these things, this is all doubt and unbelief. It's just, that's all it is. I'm not, none of this is truth. None of it's truth. Um, so as, as good as he is, he keeps saying to me, Jamie, I placed a mantle on your life. I placed a mandate on your life when you were a little girl. And I believe that for every person in this room. God spoke over you since you were a little person and said of the amazing gifts he placed inside of you. And the thing he said to me is he said, why do you keep trying to tame someone that I made to be wild? And I still don't know how to handle that. <laughs> but that's, he's just, he just started speaking to me about the truth of who I am. And he said, Jamie, you took wisdom from men. You applied it with your own understanding and decided to park yourself on the other side of the river and to just care for your livestock and care for your kids and your little bit. When I've called you to cross the land, to part the seas, to make history, to shape history, to change culture. And you wanna stay here. He said, I didn't change my mandate. I didn't change the things that I said about you. So then I, I was thinking, um, I love the story in uh, Matthew. The, uh, the disciples are tooling around with Jesus, 
doing all these cool things, right? He's healing people, he's setting them free, he's raising people from the dead, he's sharing like sound word, he's, he's giving them tools for life, he's letting them like experience all these incredible things and then they get into a boat and Jesus goes downstairs and goes to sleep. And the boat starts getting thrown around by a furious storm and it says the waves started sweeping over the boat and Jesus was still sleeping. So the disciples went down and woke him and said, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? So he gets up, he rebukes the wind and the waves and it became completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man was this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So I have a question, why did they go get him if they didn't think he was gonna do anything? Isn't that weird? Like, why'd they go downstairs and wake him up? Let him die in his sleep? Like, if that's gonna be the end of it. Like, I, I don't even understand it. It doesn't even make sense. And yet they're saying like, wow, he actually did something. Well, what'd you wake him up for? You know what I mean? You, you must have known, you must have had a morsel, a shred or something. And I propose that most of the time when we go to the Father with things that we're believing for, for ourselves or our kids or the, our church community or our workplace or whatever, a lot of times for myself, I'm just complaining to him because I just wanna say the words to him because then if nothing happens, it's his fault for not showing up. So I went downstairs, you know, I went downstairs and said, hey, we're drowning. These people are about to die. All of this thing's happening. And then I just went back upstairs and I didn't really expect anything to happen because then if, if, if something fails, it's on him, it's not on me. I had no expectation. I had no partnership with him. I, I had no, I wasn't walking with him, you know, and I, I really feel like God is, is trying to say to his church that, he, that his love is great, that his love is whole, his love is wild. But I think he's also saying, it's time for us to grow up. Come on. Come on. And I think he's also saying that the things that are happening around us and in us and through us, we should be appalled that it's happening without our interaction, that things are going on and we're not involved. We should be appalled with ourselves about that. We're waiting, we sit and wait for, I'll just give one example. The church stopped taking care of widows and orphans because we handed them all to the government. And we said, please take care of them. It was our mandate, it's in scripture told us to take care of the widows and the orphans. It got to be too much, too much of an inconvenience. We're sick of our parents, whatever it may be. And so then now we want the government to build homes and do all these things to care for them so we don't have to deal with them anymore. How many more things will we hand to the government to take care of? Our sick, our dying, our poor, broken, those with mental health issues. Let's just let the government take care of them. We don't know what to do because we, we're not even living in the inheritance that's ours. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to live in it and I'm supposed to bring it and give it and share it and participate in it and this life. I mean, all through scripture, you know, it, they, the, all the goes, right? Go and whatever you do, do it with all your might. Go reconcile with your brother. Go sell your possessions and care for the poor. Go bear fruit. Go make disciples. Go baptize. Go teach. Go and sin no more. Go 
not fearing. Go, not being discouraged. And I want to stay on the other side of the Jordan and be comfortable and go to my job every day and, you know, maybe get a little raise every year or get a little more on this or, you know, participate, hire some more people because that feels good. That makes me feel good that we're giving people a job. All great things. But what impact is the kingdom having? What freedom is coming? The kingdom of heaven is this. And it's now. I mean, that's what Jesus came and said. He said, kingdom come. Will of God be done. This was a proclamation that he made when he went out. I wanna be making that everywhere I go. I wanna see, I want, I want my employees to call me and say, hey, I can't come into work today, I'm sick. And I'll just be like, hey, I'm just gonna pray for you right now. And we're just gonna believe for healing. I mean, that's what Paul said. He said, what I have, I give to you. He said, I have it, I give it to you. And then think about it, nobody would ever be sick for work. Huh? Huh? It's good. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, hope that, I hope God's like stirring some things inside of you. I'm, and again, I'm not trying to enter into some sort of like thing to where we all need to start groveling and being poor as fishermen and doing all of these types of things. What I'm trying to say is that I feel like God's saying, God's saying to uh, sons, daughters, like I have poured out everything for you. Like, and, Please come to me with your prayers, come to me with your supplications because I believe he wants those things. But we should come with expectancy. We should come by faith. We should be coming by believing. We should be standing saying, God, this is what I'm believing for in my life. You know, I was thinking about this the other day and this is just a little weird thing that I had this thought about, but I'm like, do you ever hear people say like when you're leaving, like traveling mercies, we pray traveling mercies for you, which I think is great. What a great thing to say, right? Yeah, that's wonderful. And I was, thinking, I, I, I was thinking about this because I was praying for, I think Tristan was out one night or something. I was praying for him when he was gonna be driving home and it was wintertime or whatever. And I was like, God, traveling mercies. And then it was just like something just stirred up inside of me. And I'm like, no, no, yes, I pray for that. But I pray that his mind will be awake, that his focus will be engaged, that he will not be distracted, that, that anything that tries to come near him will immediately be pushed away. Like, you know, when I just started calling out the things that, that I'm praying for on the backhand instead of just declaring them because then if they don't happen, I have something to hide behind. And I'm like, no, this is not the kingdom that I'm called to participate in. It's already been given. It's already been destined. And God just keeps saying, walk in it, Jamie, walk in it, walk out there. We say all the time that he's the God of the impossible. And this is where I'm really hung up. And I think that I have reduced God's impossible to me putting forth my best effort and some sort of exponentiation happening after that. Which, those things are good. We should put our best into everything. We should believe that our, our efforts, our offerings, whatever it may be, that God is going to take it forward. But I believe that believing for the impossible and saying he's the God of the impossible is more than that. We can't say he's a miracle working God and then say the miracle that he worked was your promotion at work. It, it's, it doesn't sell short that way. Yes, we should give him the glory. All good things come from the Lord. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm saying is, Miracles are things that people literally look at and say, that was not, now is. That did not exist, now it does. 
There's a difference between walking in the favor in our lives, which I believe is part of that inheritance, but also taking it a step further and understanding that God has called us to a life of impossible. And I think that I would dare say that everyone has those little things in the back of their mind that they say, I believe God has called me to the impossible in this for his glory. And we're, we're too hung up on what our step is to get there. And I, I don't know if that makes sense or if that's resonating with anyone, but this is just what he's saying to me is that I have settled by the river, believing that I can just cultivate the land. And listen, God will be with you if that's where you camp out for the rest of your life. He will. 100%. This has nothing to do with salvation. This has nothing to do with his love, his favor on your life, his heart for you, his passion, him drawing near to you. He will never leave you. He will be right there with you. 100%. He will be right there with you. But I believe that if you are a part of this church family, you started coming because you felt a draw for something more than that. And I don't ever want us to become a, a church family that is like any other place. Because there are so many places doing before the side of the Jordan better than we are. They have better equipment. They have better speakers. They have better all of the things. So just go, go be blessed, have a good time. But we are called to a place that shapes history. We are called to change culture. We are called to determine what is happening in this city. That's our, that's, that's our mandate, that's our job. We are called to change the spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual temperature of Grand Rapids, of Holland, of Hudsonville, of Jenison, of Michigan, of Illinois, of the US and every other nation. We are called to bring the glory of God to the world. And the glory of God is something that follows behind him. We're called to bring that because we're walking with him and it's following behind him. This is the mandate. This is what, he's, this is what he just keeps saying to me is, Jamie, it's time for you to grow up and go to war. Stop waiting for war to come to you and saying, I will deal with it when it comes. Go to war because there are people around you who are captives of that war and they can't be free. Amen. They need your help. They need my help. And he's equipped us and he's, 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 he's got an expectation on us that we will heal the sick, that we'll cast out demons, that we'll raise the dead. We'll speak freedom to the captive. We'll restore the families. We'll participate in the prodigals coming home, that we will be the answer to this culture and the next, Amen. and the next, Amen. and the next. We need to stop with our obsession with our own lack and enter into the promised land and get about our father's business. The beginning started when Jesus invaded this earth. He destroyed the terror of darkness. And maybe you say, that's not me, that's not for me. Maybe you're trying to quit this morning. Maybe God made you to be a defender and you just wanna give up. Maybe God made you generous and you just wanna be stingy because you're afraid. Maybe God's called you to a life of, of, of giving and you're afraid because so much has been taken from you. Maybe God's called you into new relationships, but you're afraid because old relationships were painful. What is it? It's our job, it's our mandate. It's our job to shape history. 
we continue to make the kingdom of heaven to be our earthly convenience. And I believe that God's telling us this morning that that's spiritual disobedience. I know it's not popular. I'm okay with that. Scripture says that it's the goodness of God that brings salvation in the end times. My question for you is where is the goodness behind us? Where is the goodness that's falling in our wake? Where are these things that he has called us to? And have we disempowered the move of God because of the fact that we wanna hold on to the little bit that we think we have? And have we just decided to settle into that? It says that his kingdom will have no end. And the thing that God's saying to me this morning is that promotion in the kingdom always ends in greater responsibility. And I live a life that I want promotion to be less responsibility and less burden and less challenge and less struggle. And he's saying that if you're crying out for more, which I believe a lot of us are, you should also accept that when more comes, it comes with more responsibility. But it also comes with more favor and it comes with more equipping and it comes with a larger community to share the burden and to share the workload. And it comes with a move and it comes with power. If we could have the band come up, I just wanna close with a, with a couple of thoughts. Um, you know, I, I kept thinking um, this week a lot about, you know, Paul talks about in 2 Timothy, his race, that he, he finished the race and that he, he's, he's fought the good fight. And he talks all through there that, that, he, that he came, that he proclaimed, that he preached, that he laid down his life, that he, he was an evangelist. And he said to them, don't ever quit these things. And he's talking to people that are of all walks of life, all professions, all different things, all different stories. And he said, don't quit. Don't quit being an evangelist. Don't quit taking the gospel. Don't quit being who God's called you to be. Don't quit going. Don't quit healing. Don't quit laying hands. Don't quit setting free because this is your journey from beginning to end. And don't quit until you can say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. And I, I was thinking about, you know, the story that often gets called the prodigal son. Kevin likes to refer to it of, as the story of the good father. And I thought to myself, how much different would that story be if when the famine that fell on the land, fell on the land, and the older brother turned to his father and said, hey, can I leave the work in the fields to, the, to those that are here with you, to the servants, because I need to go find my brother. I need to go out. I need to leave, I need to leave all of this. I know it's all, gonna, it's all mine, so I, I need to take some of it, and I want to go find my brother. And if while he was out there finding his brother, he found his brother and his brother's friends and all of these prostitutes his brother was hanging out with and all of the transgender people who freak everyone out and all of the people who, who everybody just wants in the church wants to run from because we don't know how to deal with it. What if we just went and gathered them all together and brought them home to dad's house and said, come, sit at the table, participate, eat be treated the way you should be treated, be valued, be cared for. 
But instead, no, he decided to stay out in the field because he was trying to take care of his own. And then he's all ticked off because he's like, dude, what the heck? Why are we celebrating this guy? And the father's like, dude, you don't get it. And I love that the father even still goes out to him. This is the demonstration we get. He's going out, he's going out, he's going out, he's going out. That's the father's heart. He's going out. And I keep waiting out in the field because I'm mad and I want him to come out and talk to me about my inheritance. And he said, you already have it. Please, go. The journey from the beginning to the end, y'all, is, uh, is us. God, God left us in community so that way we could gather and shape, change history and shape history and fill this earth with his glory. And that's what I, I believe we're called to do. And like I said, I'm not walking in it yet, but I'm just inviting you to participate in it. Come up from the things that we have, the things we need, our lack, and understand that everything you have in the kingdom is yours. And there are people who need you this morning. Amen. If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved with one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, uh, sermon series announcements, and more. You can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning for worship and teaching just by searching for Downtown Christian Church. We go live at 10 a.m. Eastern every Sunday. Thanks for listening.